Garofalo. Okay, you will have to spell that. D-O-N-N-A. Yep. G-A-R-O-F, as in Frank, mm-hmm. A-L-O. Okay, do you ever get Gruffalo from the kids? I do. I bet. <laughs> and if you listen to the uh, movie or the audio tape of the book called yeah. The Gruffalo. Yeah. She says Garofalo. Garofalo? Like, Is she British? Yeah. Because who does it again? In the movie, it's what's her name? Helena Bonham Carter. Helena Bonham Carter. And that wonderful yeah. accent turns Garofalo into Gruffalo and Gruffalo into Garofalo. <laughs> and it's my kids just laugh. It's one of my We're favorite. Famous. It's one of my favorite all-time books. I read it all the time when I worked in preschool. The kids loved it. So yep. it's a good one. All right. Okay. So Donna, welcome here. I'm happy to have you in the studio. Super excited. And we're talking about, what's it called again? Artistic Connections, which is run through Agape House, but not at Agape House. No. Okay. Let us know where it's, where it's taking place. Well, we have, uh, we have the next delivery of this program happening in Grunthal. So it's happening in the New Horizons building on Main Street. Um, when we offer this program, it happens at all different places. So in Steinbeck, it happens at the United Church on Main Street. Um, in Grunthal, or sorry, in Rosso, it happened at the Wellness Center. They have a really great um, facility out there that volunteered the space. Is that through Lil Steps? No. Well, no? Okay. Because I know Lil Steps Wellness Center is out that way as well, I believe. Well, that's maybe St. Malo. It was at the Gnu Wellness Center oh, on yes. Rosso Reserve. Oh, okay. Um, when we delivered way out there, which is fantastic. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's uh, in our catchment. It's part of the Eastman region. So we're trying to branch out and connect with communities that might have um, some geographic A little bit more isolated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to get in. Like, it's, it's, it's too hard to drive for an hour with all your kids in the car so oh. that you can participate in a two-hour program and then drive for an hour home is crazy. So it's, a it's better if I can get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, totally. So, okay, so how many weeks does this course run for and what's the cost? Ah, well, it runs for six weeks, mm-hmm. 9.30 to 11.30 on Tuesday mornings. Mm-hmm. The cost is the best part. Yeah. It is free to everyone. So it's open for caregivers and the children that they're raising. So if that's that includes moms, dads, uh, single parent families, you know, multiple two parent families, cousins, grandparents, foster parents, whoever it is, if you have a child who's six and under that you're raising, this group is open to you. It doesn't matter if you've ever experienced domestic violence. It doesn't matter. It it, it doesn't matter. I like. I think that's a stigma I'd really like to get rid of. That like. Just because Agape House is putting it on doesn't mean that, oh, well, I've never utilized their services, so it's probably not for me. Yeah, um, I I meet that. And I, I think it's really interesting because the thing that we know about domestic violence is that um, healthy connections and community connections and healthy interpersonal behaviors are the best prevention that we can have. Um, when domestic violence happens in someone's home, it doesn't just affect that couple. It spills over into their kids. And when kids live in a home that has domestic violence present, um, it, it rewires how their brain processes information and processes um, relationships. So at the time that it's happening, they have stress. Then that dynamic might change. Maybe somebody leaves and they take the kids with them and they don't have it present anymore. What happens, though, is that because they're... Um, their understanding of the world has been influenced by this dynamic. When they, when they start to grow up and start to develop independent interpersonal relationships with their peers, 
and potential romantic relationships, all that innate foundational wiring shows up again. And that's where the cycle continues for in, in development. So the more we can do to, um, to have healthy relationships, regardless of how that looks, um, the better off everybody is in the long run. Because your child might be fine, but when your son falls in love with a young woman who was raised in domestic violence, that's going to affect your grandchildren. That's a very, very wonderful point. And I think it's something that we ultimately forget, that we are a community, whether we want to admit it or not. If you're like, well, you know, I've never experienced any domestic violence. My parents were very healthy. My grandparents, I come from a long line of healthy marriages and relationships. You know, what, what possibly would I need this for in my life? And I think sometimes, too, when we attend these events, we actually just show our support. We just yep. show our support. And I think, yep. you know, for people, women leaving domestic uh, violence situations, just knowing that there's a community of support, sometimes that's the one thing you need to make that very bold step of yep. leaving. There's a community out there. I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that just means attending an art class. Showing like this is a great thing. It's free. Something to do with my child for two hours out of the day. <laughs> I had three children under the age of four at one point, And I was like, just get me out of this house it's, to do anything. It's two hours that you don't have to plan. You don't have to organize in any way. And you don't have to clean up. Right. And like, then you just come home. It's a nice home. two hours for parents. You come home, you have lunch and they go for a nap. Yes. It's almost like a mini holiday. It really is. I know. <laughs> I have, I raised six kids. I've still got three at home. And those opportunities to go and do something that kept them engaged, that was really fun, that I didn't have to clean up after, was like a holiday. Right? And I then you it. And you meet other parents that are in the same season of life, yep. which again, builds community. And I think as parents, whether moms, dads, grandmas, grandparents, caregivers, you need that community because... I mean, it sounds such a lame cliche that it takes a village to raise a child, but we're all going to go through seasons of, oh, this, you know, maybe I'm leaving my marriage or maybe someone has cancer or maybe someone, you're going to need that community. And it's amazing how when those relationships that are formed in a art group, in a mommy and me group, in a church group, what those really become your, your lifelines. Yeah. In those very situations. It's making friends, which is one of the most beautiful things I see when I facilitate this group. Sometimes what happens is that families from really different areas, really different places in their lives, they come together in this group. They're all engaged. The kids are all playing together. The moms are communicating with the kids and the moms are interacting with each other. And there's these really nice moments where 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 there's mentorship that just spontaneously pops up because people are just behaving like human beings with compassion and empathy towards the person who's sitting beside them who you know might might be feeling challenged by the art medium that we're using that day or just might be unfamiliar with it and it's this really organic relationship development that happens and it's as a facilitator it's really beautiful to see I always feel privileged to be a witness to it and it's a wonderful and this is going to sound a little bit silly as a parent when you see other parents, you're like, oh, good. My kid's not the only one that does that. Oh, your kid eats the finger paint and the Play-Doh too? Good. That's not just my child. <laughs> yeah, it really normalizes all that 
typical behavior as well. Oh, I thought it was just me, but but you seem to have it together and your kid is doing the same thing. So, so it's we're okay. all in the same boat. We're okay. Right? Yeah, I feel totally. like we often yeah. feel like, oh, yeah. And you know what? I, I 100% believe that, you know, Instagram and Facebook and social media is a huge, like perpetuates this belief of like, oh, you know, look at so-and-so with her beautiful Joanna Gaines house and her beautiful perfect husband and their <laughs> you know 2.5 children and they probably never smush play-doh in their hair <laughs> or draw mustaches on themselves with permanent marker and then have to go to church like that right like <laughs> cut, cut their, their hair. hair cutting their hair that's always a great one <laughs> yeah and oh. it's it, it's so universal it makes me laugh too like it's so universal all of these things and th- something that I think is really exciting is to see um Kids and parents, when they come to Artistic Connections, sometimes parents like to really uh, micromanage what their kids are doing. Oh, and I, oh I can only imagine. <laughs> I try to free people from the from the need to do that. Um, and what ends up happening sometimes is that people create work with their child cooperatively, mm-hmm. which is awesome to see. Mm-hmm. Other times what happens is they create side by side. And when that side by side happens, there's this independence and this autonomy and this respect of the experience of the other that we don't always get to experience as parents because we're so busy trying to make sure that our kids turn out okay that we don't always have the time and the opportunity to disengage and see really firsthand what they're capable of doing when we're not there holding their hand. We're just sitting here beside them. I think we're so concerned that our kids are going to end up in prison because they pick their noses <laughs> that yep. we lose uh, the the point of just being in the moment with our yep. kids, right? I'll never yeah. forget, I was facilitating a group at what used to be Anna's house, and it, we were finger painting, and I had my daughter with, who was about 18 months at the time, and I was very pregnant. And, like, I've never been the kind of person that's like, you have to do it this way and make it look a certain way. Yep. And she had chosen to do a finger painting all in red, and it bothered some of the other moms <laughs> that she had not used any, like, they don't you want to use blue? Don't you want to use yellow? And I've never been like that. I was like, you want to use red? I don't care. Like, yep. you do what you want. <laughs> and and it was interesting to watch the other parents be more concerned about my daughter's painting than I was. And I think sometimes it's also freeing for other parents to experience that other adult that's like, yep. oh, you don't, you don't actually feel like making a painting right now? I'm not going to force you. Yes. I'm going to paint. Okay. I'm going to paint. I'm going to have a good time. You don't just sit here and watch me and we're just going to talk and you want to go look at the window that's cool too yeah and that's yeah it is very freeing just to to have an example of something else because you don't know really how people were raised or what their ideas of parenthood are and we're all trying to live up to those ideals and do our best and it can look really different for different people um one of the things that i try to include in this is a mix of high-end art supplies and diy supplies oh that's so awesome. the finger paint that we make is uh homemade finger paint because you can create it out of just what's in your kitchen typically uh it's pretty easy same thing with the play-doh it's really easy stuff to make it's inexpensive if your kids play with it and it dries out it doesn't matter you can make more it costs a few cents to make um and when we make it in the in the group it's the kids who make it and the parents just kind of stand around that's wonderful and make sure people don't fall off chairs and and then the eat kids the ingredients, all, <laughs> which doesn't even matter if it's homemade stuff because it's all out of your kitchen. It so, so doesn't matter. We use food coloring to color our finger paint, and mm-hmm. we use food coloring to color our play doh. 
Um, but you can get really nice colors with Kool-Aid, but that makes it smell delicious, and then your and, kids will eat it. And I will tell you, though, it will smell delicious for a few days, and then it's going to smell real nasty so after much, a while. Huh? Yeah, in, in daycare, we would do that sometimes, <laughs> and you'd open the bag, you'd be like, whew, smells like feet in here. Done. It's definitely just the great Play-Doh. <laughs> We're going to make new stuff today. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, so run us through... Uh, it's six weeks, you said? It is. Okay, so run us through what kind of each week looks like. Just a quick rundown of what it is. Well, week one, we start with finger painting. So we make DIY finger paint. We paint on canvases. Um, kids can get dirty. I've got a drop cloth. It can go all over the place. You can create all different sizes. You get to choose whatever it is. And then you get to take your work home at the end, too. Uh, week two is drawing. We use all different kinds of drawing materials. We do some different kind of... Um, we do some different kind of uh, different themed work, basically. Um, sometimes we use um, sometimes we use resist. Sometimes we use pencils. We just we I I offer all of the supplies. It's kind of like going to a smorgasbord full of stuff to use and whatever draws the attention of anyone who's there. That's what you're welcome to use. So we do drawing week two. We make flowers on week three. Those are generally made out of paper and other kinds of easily accessible materials. We put them together to make, we've made uh, wreaths, we've made potted little gardens that people can take home, and um, wall hangings, which has been really nice, um, out of all different kinds of paper and other materials. So we make them out of uh, coffee, coffee filters, um, sticks, trying to think of what the other one is. I can't think of that right this second. Week four, we make Play-Doh. Again, it's a DIY. I provide the recipe in case you don't happen to have a recipe at home. I have my favorite Play-Doh recipe. Yeah, I have my favorite too. Yeah. <laughs> Who, how art nerd is that? Right. Um, yeah, I have my favorite DIY Play-Doh recipe. So I share well, Because that they're with not all the same. No, I just caveat, they are not all the same. And I'm just going to say, this is from my preschool experience, 17 years of working with children. I like the ones that you have to cook. They just work better. It really is a nice one. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one too. I yeah. use one that's low on salt. Okay. I get confused every time I go shopping for supplies. I'm uh -huh. like, yeah, it needs lots of salt. I come oh. and then I and then I go to make up the test mm -hmm. batch and I'm like, I remember not needing salt last time. <laughs> but now I've got nine cartons of salt. I right. gotta find something else to do with oh, it. Oh boy. But uh, yeah, it's it all works out. So I totally have my favorite. I give the recipes for everything so everybody can take it away. Perfect. Week five, we do collaging. Collaging can look like uh, three-dimensional sculptures. It can also look like on-paper sculptures. It can look like it can look like uh, artwork that has doors that open and close, that have secrets hidden inside or on top of or around. It can look like a theme. I've seen lots of eye collages with like eyes and embellishments, and uh, I've seen lots of the things that kids like. Oh. Like, just weird things. Just, just kids. I love kids, yeah. and they're so weird. Everything yeah. that's like appealing to that child, and everything that's appealing to that parent, which I also find is really awesome and intriguing. Sometimes I'm surprised by what shows up, and delighted by that because it's so authentic, it's so honest and fun. And then uh, week six, we do imaginary spaces, which we create. Uh, I I provide another smorgasbord of three-dimensional objects of all different shapes and sorts. Uh, we usually start that day weather permitting on a on an outdoor walk around. 
to gather materials. So in the spring and the fall, we go out, we gather sticks and flowers and leaves and anything we find in the natural environment. And then imaginary spaces is creating this little safe place area um, with all these three-dimensional creatures. So they somehow times come out looking like looking like homes. They come out looking like fantasy spaces. You really get a sense of what a person values when they create this thing from this big choice of material. You, it's very, it's very awesome. Yeah, I feel like I want to come. I feel like it would be so much fun. <laughs> it is fun. I feel like you probably can come. We could come. It would be a ton of fun. <laughs> All right. So Donna, this is using uh, art, art for artistic expression, and also so. Do you want to give us a little bit of what your training background is in all of this? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm trained as an art therapist, uh, which means a couple of things. I have um, I have a fine art degree from the University of Manitoba, and I have a BA from like with a psych major from the University of Manitoba. And then I put those things together to specialize and become trained as an art therapist. So where um, some people will go to an office with a therapist and they'll sit in a chair and they'll talk. Um, when I work with clients, I pull out art materials that are challenging. I pull out art materials that are supportive. I pull out art materials that metaphorically connect to whatever it is that's going on, and we create art. And the story, without having to figure out how to put it into words, because let's face it, if we could all put all of our stories into words, then we'd be fine, because we'd just talk about it and it would go away. Um, we can create this body of artwork that then tells the story. It's really, it's very holistic. It's very beautiful. It's very compassionate. Um, it's very gentle way of working through trauma, of, of deepening understanding of experience. And um, it's really loving. It's kind of awesome to be a witness to it. I feel like that's really great for people to know because when you've experienced trauma, the expectation is that you should talk about it mm -hmm. and then you will feel better no. because then your brain can, you know, do all the things it's supposed to and you can file it away. But sometimes just to even put that into words is impossible. Yeah. And then when you've experienced that trauma and you can't do what you're supposed to, it's almost re-traumatizing and you're like, I'm just going to go back inside myself because that's where it's safe. It totally <laughs> is what it is. In, in, my, in my training, we had to, as, as we were being trained, we had to look at our own stuff. And the day that my stuff clicked together like a puzzle, there's almost no words for it. I was just in shock. Like, oh my goodness, look at what just happened. And I could never have expressed that in words because I couldn't put it together. I needed to see all those experiences in tangible form in front of me. And as soon as they were, it was like illustrating a storybook not about that experience it was about it was an illustrated storybook about what i had done with that experience mm. and that's the place where the freedom happened and then it just popped open and dissipated it was like and i think wow. it's so good for people to know that you know there are so many different ways to heal from your trauma and we all have trauma yeah every every single person it's just varying degrees whether it's yep. you know big t trauma or little t trauma right those those events that really have almost shaped us. And I know for me, writing is a big thing. Not journaling in yep. a sense, but like rediscovering that like poetry and stringing thoughts together that way. But that's not for everybody. Nope. And art may not be for everybody. Maybe you do need to talk about it. But just knowing that there are different avenues yep. for different ways of healing, I feel like that's an incredibly important message for 
not just women who have yep. left domestic abuse, but everybody, really. Well, I think it's interesting that when we talk about this, that the fallback is to go to trauma as well. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of things are not traumatic, and they're still hard to figure That's out. That's true. That's a very so good point. It's about point. figuring stuff out, yeah. really. Like, like, yeah, trauma is a complex Mm-hmm. issue that needs to be figured out and would be helpful and beneficial if we could figure it out but let's face it you know we're confused by stuff all the time this is very true like <laughs> i'm confused by stuff all the time i feel like you're confused sometimes too I, no I, judgment I, no i feel like confusion I'm happens always not okay not always confused but there are moments in your <laughs> life when you're like oh, i don't know what to do with that information right now right yeah. where do i put it what yeah. do i do with it you know and and this is this process like art as a general practice is a really healthy behavior to have so my hope is always that when people have done this that uh, when people have participated in the group that they are able to take it home and then use it the same way we use going for a walk is just a healthy lifestyle practice you know drawing in a sketchbook is a healthy lifestyle practice so I'm always hoping that people will do that because the more healthy lifestyle practices we have the better off we are to deal with all the changes. I love that because, you know, I feel like lately a theme in life is self-care. This like this yep. big buzzword of like self-care. Make sure you're practicing self-care. And then you go home and you're like, well, what does that even mean? Like, yeah. I'm going to take a hot bath. I'm going to get my nails done. Like right. you see that, you know, even on Instagram again, not to pick on social media, but it's like, oh, getting my nails done with my girls. Hashtag self-care. And you're like, oh, so, so that's self-care. Right. I feel like that's fun in the moment. But what is that actually doing for you? And I love that you mentioned like, you know, drawing in a sketchbook, writing things down, going to art therapy, going for a walk. Those are actually the self-care pieces I think that we're missing in our lives. Yeah, it's you walking a walk that feels good, that gives us that gives us the ability to continue and not and not saying that those fun things aren't good. I do think that those are very important things, going out with your friends and having fun and that. But when push comes to shove, like, are those the things that you actually need in your life to be like, like boundaries to me is a very good self-care practice, but it's not something we talk about when we talk about self-care. No, no. (laughs) And so when we look at that in art therapy, um, framing things, actively drawing boundaries, moving boundaries, creating Mm -hmm. multiple pieces that have boundaries, but then moving them around in the plane where we're working on the tabletop or in the window and letting the light shine through. Those are all these different kinds of experiential moments where people have an experience which rewires their thinking about the experience in a non-traumatic way and allows people to see from a third-party perspective which is always easier. It's always easier to help your friend figure something totally. out than it is to figure out the same thing for yourself. And yep. this way we're giving ourselves that third-party perspective by working in the art. And it it can just be as simple as, you know, oh, I saw this thing that I thought was really beautiful and I'm going to make this shape out of homemade Play-Doh and stick it on my shelf for a while. Or I'm going to grab a pencil and scribble it on a napkin and tape it into my sketchbook because I didn't have it with me. Or I'm going to stick it in the pocket of my jacket and forget about it for six months and take it out six months from now and be like, hey, what was going on that day? I remember this. And I love that that's an actual, actually like art going back to these, you know, six weeks. This is a very tangible thing where, you know, kids can really latch onto that at a very early age. And now I just spoke with someone, they're hosting an anxiety, childhood anxiety seminar on yep. Wednesday. And 
you know, we don't realize sometimes these things that make kids anxious or just feel uncomfortable because to us they're not big deals. Right. But in the mind and in the life of a child, you know, that cat running away and not showing up again. Yeah. That's huge. That's a big deal. We all go through things for the first time and our kids go through it every day. Um, yeah, I just bought a car myself for the first time, a oh, new car. Congratulations. Thanks. Well, I told my mom the story about it and her comment to me was, you can't really be that much of a green sprout, are you? And I said, um, well, I've never done it before. You know, like I know my age says that I should have this experience, but I, I never have. And it's so exciting. I didn't know. It's so right? exciting. Like, so it's exciting and it's scary oh, yeah. and it's satisfying. Like, and then when I had all of that experience, it put me into the mind of my kids and all the kids that I work with through my job. And I thought like every day feels like that to them all the time. And it's a reminder too that sometimes even good things are overwhelming. Yeah. Like even in my life, sometimes when a series of very good things happen, you're like, oh, we're really excited. We're at the top of the roller coaster. It's so much fun, but I don't want to be on here anymore. <laughs> yep. I just want things to just be the right? Where's I, my normal? Right? Like it's all yep. good. It's all very exciting. And I think sometimes we get upset with children because you're like, why are you crying? All these good things are happening. Why yep. are you feeling so overwhelmed? Why are you self-sabotaging all these things? Like yep. all these good things are happening to you. You have no reason to grump. And I mean, I'm a mom. I'm so guilty of saying that sometimes. Right. And that you just kind of go, oh, never mind. Oh, there it is. Yeah. I feel like that sometimes too. Right. And again, I have to remind myself, oh, yeah, I've been here for 36 years. You've only been here for 10. Yeah. It's really unfair of me to have the same expectations of you. Everything feels big the first time right? you look at it. Like. Totally. And sometimes it feels big for more than the first time. Absolutely. And sometimes, too, as a parent, and I know, you know, when you, let's say, a domestic abuse situation, when you leave that situation, uh, at first, yes, it's scary, but then there's this sense of relief. Yeah. And you're just happy to be out. Yeah. But your kids are still reeling. Yes. That's... That is a hard line to walk. And... I feel like something like an art program or it really can connect the parent and the child where it's like, I'm just happy to be out of this. And the child's like, but why? Like, I don't understand. And I'm sad and I'm angry. And it's hard to connect those two. That's something really interesting. And that when I work as the children's counselor at Agape, I always have to consider. Um, Kids feel relief when they're not in an environment that's really stressed, when they are removed from an environment that has violence or toxic relationships in it that is um that's relief for them they almost always feel better but they don't always understand what feel better is it really is challenging for kids to be able to name those things a child will say well i'm really happy that i'm here but all of their artwork will be full of fear and sadness Mm. because they don't know what's happening now And we see it in all kinds of loss. I don't just see it in domestic violence. I see it when a parent passes away. And I see it it when a geographic move has happened Mm. and and friends are not present anymore. And it kind of all shows up in the same way, that processing of grief and loss, which is what a child experiences, just like like a parent who Mm -hmm. leaves domestic abuse. The child is also experiencing the loss of the family unit that they believed in and the loss of their home and it might be loss of their friends and all of those things play into this scenario that 
now they have no expectation of where it's going to go. And that is a difficult thing to process. So even though they feel better that nobody is yelling or throwing dishes around the house, mm-hmm. um, now that that's gone, they don't, they don't know what to, what to expect now. So Because that, unfortunately, was the normal. Yes. Right? So bringing, helping, helping kids to come off of that normal and move into what normal can look like, opening up all the potential avenues of what it can look like is, you know, really where my, where my, um, where my work at the shelter is rooted as the children's counselor. I work with parents on parenting as well because the strongest connection that they can have between a child and, you know, is it between a child and their caregiver? Mm -hmm. So I can work with kids, you know, infinitely into time. um, But the bottom line is that they're only spending an hour a week with me and they're spending the other six days and 23 hours with their caregiver. So it's really important to also provide that support to the caregiver because I don't want the kids to fall in love with me and depend on me. They need to be in love and trust and and depend on on their parent. And time and time again, all the studies show that parents are still the biggest influence in their kids' lives. It doesn't matter about Facebook and Instagram. And yeah. Parents are still the biggest influence. And I feel like that is that foundation is laid in stuff like this yep. a six-week art program because you know what those kids may not remember the actual thing that happened but it will be a piece in that foundation yep. of like oh yeah i have good memories with mom and art i like this that's yes. a good thing or with dad and art or yep. grandma and art whoever the caregiver is right yep. and so i think that's a good segue to talk about is this just for moms and kids Absolutely not. It's for caregivers. So whatever your family dynamic is, that's that's who's welcome. The program is run under a um, under a grant by Healthy Child Coalition, mm-hmm. and um, so their focus is really on those early developmental years. So from birth up until six years, uh, six years of age. Um, so if you have a child that you nurture and care for, who's in that age range, for sure come. Awesome. For sure come. Totally. And I think sometimes we forget like dads, we want dads at those groups. You may be the only dad, but we want dads at those groups. It's even for those kids that maybe don't have a male role model in their life at the moment. It's good for them to see healthy dads interacting with their kids. What does kind manliness look like? Right. So some kids have it. Mm -hmm. Some kids don't. Exactly. Um, so, you know, that's what we do. When we walk down the street, we don't think about it. I know talking about it like this can be kind of intimidating. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? Go to this group and be the token right? dad. Right. But really, like, you are an example of being a man mm-hmm. when you walk down the street and you go into Shoppers Drug Mart to make a purchase. All the children there see what a man is when they look at you. Totally. Just like all the children see what a woman is. All the children see what a mother is. Right. They're all learning all the time. We already do this. This group isn't heavy on uh, therapeutic uh, educational stuff. Mm-hmm. I talk a little bit about child development mm-hmm. in each week because it's important to understand totally. where our kids are at. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not um, it's it's not a heavy group. This is a group about having fun and having experiences. Just come have the experience. And then what you make of it is is really up to you because we all make something different of, of it. I can't 
I can't guide your life by telling you what to what you're going to get out of it. Like totally. you have to have the experience. Absolutely. And I will do my best to make sure that everybody has this new, exciting, organic experience when they're there. And just make sure everybody feels good, feels safe. We have a snack that we include. Oh, yeah. There it is. All the time. <laughs> Don't want anybody getting hangry. No, it's not so, good. <laughs> so we start the group every every time we start the group with um, some physical activity. So we throw the balls. We um, we play some one-on-one games between, you know, caregiver and child. Uh, observation games. Things that really just make you look at each other. Mm. Make you notice things. Uh, I know sometimes as a parent, we get so worked up in what we're doing that we don't necessarily look at what's in front of us. And our kids really need us to look at them. And just do, we get so caught up in just the doing of things. Yeah. The doing. I know the other day I was like, oh my goodness. Yes, I like throw my arm around my kids and I like give them a squeeze. Yep. But they need that 20 second hug to release all those feel good things, right? That serotonin. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta do this a little bit more. It's really important, and actually make a conscious effort to give a twenty-second hug to my kids at least once a day. And how many kids do you have? Three. Okay, so you're looking at one full minute of hug to you, mm-hmm. like you're getting hugged for one conscious, intentional full minute, mm-hmm. and that goes a long way to fill your cup. Sure does. Like, but you. Probably don't think about it. Oh, I'm feeling run down. I'm going to go hug my kids and let them fill me up again. Right. Like, we like, often do the opposite. We're like, oh, yeah, don't touch me anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then what's funny is yeah. when you're even in that place, once you go for that hug, you're like, oh, OK, yes. why didn't I do this earlier? I do, I do yeah. love you. <laughs> I just yeah. forgot for a little bit. <laughs> oh, life creeps in oh, and we just need totally. to refocus and Absolutely. center and, and and then when we do it's just it's so satisfying totally. so and then group like this is yeah. fantastic mandatory way for you to connect with your kid for a full two hours yeah at least once a week now if kids only need a 20 second hug to feel like oh that feels good imagine what two hours will do to fill their bucket yeah and it's free Yes. Well, one of the things that I love too, there's so much that I love about doing this group and it's always different depending (laughs) Mm -hmm. on who comes because all the families are different. The kids are different. The parents are different. It's always different. Mm -hmm. So the very first time that I offered this group and Mm -hmm. this is really. um, Sorry, you keep talking. I just have to check my time here, but you keep talking. The very first time that I offered this group, there was a little girl in the group who was two. Okay. So we had um, we had done collage for the opening for the opening mm-hmm. week, she had created this collage. And once this, all the pictures were cut out and they were pasted where she wanted them, she added some drawing and she added some color and she added some sparkles. And then at the end of the group, we had snack and then we all sat down in a big circle mm-hmm. so that we could show our art to the rest of the group. Yeah. And this little two-year-old girl picked up her artwork and walked from person to person in the center of the circle and showed it to them. And she pointed out the things that were important to her. Aww. And I had never seen that happen in that way, even though I'm an art person and I'm an artist and I teach art Mm -hmm. and I have kids. I had never seen that happen. And my heart just sang and I was and I thought, oh, my gosh. And I don't know if her mom realized that she was going to do that, Mm -hmm. but there was not an adult person in that room who wasn't shocked by by what was happening Mm -hmm. in this delightful way. She has all this intention and all this meaning and she's open to sharing it. And it was it was so moving. It was it was wonderful. Like And I feel like that's what? a great note to end on. So if you are looking for something to do for the next six weeks, 
with Please your come. six-year-old or under, this is a fantastic thing. So it starts on what day? It starts next Tuesday. Okay. You can register by phoning 204-326-6062. That's mm-hmm. uh, Agape House. You okay. can phone the regular administration line. And do, we just, to... do they just ask for Donna? Yeah, you can okay. ask for Donna. If I'm not there, uh-huh. just leave your name and your phone number and okay. say I'm interested in artistic connections and they'll put you on the list so that I know to expect you okay. um, and the number of kids you're going to be bringing. Of course, because snacks, right? Well, you snacks know. and, and art supplies. It is. <laughs> yeah. It, it's an interesting group when we have a two-year-old and a, and a bunch old. of six-year-olds because oh, yeah. they don't do things the same way. That's very um, true. If you've ever participated in the group before, you're welcome to participate again. Okay. The, um, the different materials we use are going to mm-hmm. stay the same, but the art activities will change. Awesome. So the more you do it, it's, you know, you can never do all the art. And, and the it's same. It's always going to be different. It's always going to be different. It's always going to change. Exactly. So you're... Like anybody who's participated already, you're more than welcome to come back, bring your friends, bring your neighbor. Awesome. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. And we'll have all the information up at the blog on Pinterest 107 as well.